All right, welcome to another episode of the Esports Next podcast. It is my pleasure, as always, along with my lovely co-host, the founder of the Esports Trade Association, Miss Megan Van Petten. We are joined today by Claire LeBeau, who's the Chief Marketing Officer for NASIF. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So excited to chat with you guys, especially after having met so many leaders in the Esports Trade Association at the Esports Next conference. Phenomenal job that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. I was actually talking to Megan earlier this morning and I said, Megan, I've really enjoyed our podcast episodes before the conference, you know, to meet some new people and to 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 help people understand who's going to be there and to help promote the event. I was like, today I'm so excited because I get to talk with my new friends, <laughs> you know? And we're actually today we're recording three different podcasts. And so you're the third, so we're perfectly warmed up um, today. But I was just thinking, like, how cool is it? It's just a different vibe after you get together in person, isn't it? Mm -hmm, For sure. Those connections. And I think, especially we all work on something that's digital and connecting digitally. I mean, it's fantastic. Obviously, we can all be in different states and get to know each other. But there is something about being in person still about really getting to know someone, really seeing the heartbeat of what matters to them. And I felt like that's what happened for sure at Esports Next at the conference was people from super different little corners of the esports world all coming together and saying, oh, this is how I can help you. Oh, this is how you can help me. And that's 100% mm-hmm. what an event should be about. Absolutely. Well, why, why don't you tell us about what NACIF is and how you help people. Sure. Um, NACEF is the network of academic and scholastic esports federations. We are a global organization that's relatively new. Well, NACEF is about five years old, so it's not like we're a super old organization anyway. In esports years, it's a little different, right? You're no right, exactly. five years, but yeah. Yeah, it is kind of like dog years in a way, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we started off as a pilot program in Southern California with this theory that you could use esports for interest-driven education, that because kids love to game so much, they would show up to clubs, they would get mentored, they would learn all kinds of cool things, um, STEM skills like collaboration and communication, and then, you know, potentially we could teach them about some career pathways. And I have this graphic in my background, let's see if I go that way, that shows kind of what NACEF is about, which is players and games are at the center. And that's kind of the magnet that draws students in. And then once they're there, there's this amazing opportunity to help build their um, social emotional skills, their career skills to help them picture career pathways that they want to pursue. And um, so that's where we started was with this theory that that would happen. And guess what? It did times a bazillion relative (laughs) to what we thought. So we started in Southern California. We had 25 schools. We very rapidly spread throughout North America. And um, last year we were at the International Esports Federation's World Esports Championships. And we were teaching esports leaders from around the world, here's how to implement from a scholastic perspective. 
And they, they got it. We came home, we had something like 60 countries saying, come and help us do what you're doing in the United States. And we realized that the North America part of our name didn't make sense quite so much anymore. Mm. And so we've expanded now. We're doing just incredible amounts of education and um, just helping leaders understand how do you connect what someone cares about, what a kid cares about with their education. Whatever you care about the most, that's where you're going to learn the best, right? And that's where you're going to remember it's going to sink way in, which sometimes is harder for some of us than others. You know, I have an eight-year-old son and this kid loves Minecraft. Of course. More than most things. And I was telling somebody the other day, it was probably Megan. um, I was telling her, Johnny knows so much about minerals. Like this kid's talking about iron ore and obsidian and all of these things that probably would be years away from his awareness or understanding, but because he is using these things to build different things in the game of Minecraft, his knowledge in that regard has gone not just far beyond his years, uh, probably the years when I learned it, but he's so interested and engaged in those specific things as well, all because he loves playing the video game. Right, exactly. And that's exactly it. And so we have, among the tons of programs that we offer, we do offer lots of Minecraft programs. So if he hasn't yet, he should sign up and enter. We have Farmcraft, which is a super cool program. We have a custom world developed by a team called Clever Life, and they have this custom farmcraft world. And you go in and you make decisions like, how am I going to plant my seeds? Are we going to use a machine to till, or are we going to use human beings to plant? Mm. Both of those impact the climate and your profit. And so there are all these different, I mean, tons of aspects. How are you going to irrigate? How are you going to get products to market? All these different things. And so kids are losing using, um, you know, uh, decision-making skills to figure out what do I, which, which way am I going to do this? And then we give them challenges that say, do everything that's great for the environment. Okay. Now do everything that gets you the highest profit possible. Yeah. And then, so they learn, oh, there are trade-offs that I'm going to have to make. But then, like you said, it's all in Minecraft, which they love. And so they come back and they play over and over and over again, trying to get the best score trying to be, we had students participate from 59 countries. So, you know, if I'm from the U.S., I want to beat the kids from Japan. If you're from Japan, you want to beat Chile. If you're from Chile, you want to beat Nigeria. I mean, it just, it's phenomenal, the learning that happens through this. I'm just realizing I left out a super important aspect. NACEF is a nonprofit, and so we offer this free. Wow. We want every kid to be able to participate and learn in this environment that they love. And so our challenges are free. We do, um, I'll talk about beyond the game challenges probably in a minute. Those are free to participate in as much as we can. We want everyone to be able to participate in our programs and our challenges. Mm. How are you able to offer that? For we'll buy that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right. Let's do it. Everything free for everyone. Like Let's Oprah. Get Johnny all set up. Johnny 2.0. All right. Exactly. We have some fantastic partners. And because you are the Esports Trade Association, I will just say, please, if you are a brand or an organization and you see the potential of esports in helping students, 
partner with us. We are bringing our programs to kids, depending on what it is around the United States, around the world, again, leveraging this interest and helping them develop personally, individually, professionally. Um, and that takes money, but we're trying our best to not charge because we want everybody to participate. The Farmcraft example I gave you is actually funded by the U.S. State Department. Cool. They see... Uh, benefit in having people around the world know how our how commerce works, how agriculture works, what's going on with climate change, what are some little things that you and I can do to impact it. And so they fund that program. Um, so it just, it depends on the individual program, but we have lots of people in our corner helping us to develop and, and bring these things out. That's incredible. Um, yeah. You know, I, one thing I was thinking of when Megan and I were sitting on the stage there at the conference, you know, we're looking out to the whole group and what was going through my mind is everyone, exception for one person, uh, Legion is a pro gamer. Um, everyone in that room is making a living in esports, but are not pro gamers, like not on the stage. And we were talking before this recording, you know, it's such a diverse group where you have folks clearly like yourself in Scholastic, and then we have people who are in production companies, and we have uh, traditional sports teams, we have World Business Chicago, um, we obviously Coca-Cola, Six Flags, all these, these companies, and there's such an amazing um, business career ecosystem around esports that I think it parents like myself, it encourages us to encourage our kids yeah. to go down this path, seeing that there are all these career opportunities versus saying, don't waste your time sitting in front of that monitor. Well, and there are two aspects to that, right? One is, if that's what your kid likes to do for fun, mm -hmm. then... There is some amount of time that's allotted for whatever your fun is, whether it's read a book or, you know, play baseball or play Minecraft or whatever. There's some amount that's allotted for fun. But then there are these other career opportunities that, you know, we kind of joke right now. I think every kid right now wants to be a streamer because they're all convinced they're going to make, you know, $85 million a month as streamers. And a few people do, not very many, but a few do, right. but an awful lot are making a decent amount of money that way. And that's one of the things that we do at NASAF is when we focus on that ecosystem, we say, okay, well, we're giving you game tournaments to play. And I just mentioned Minecraft, but we also do, you know, Rocket League and Super Smash and other popular titles. Um, but then we also do what we call Beyond the Game Challenges. And essentially what we're doing is we're saying, practice some career skills in your club at school. And so we've done a Beyond the Game Challenge called Why We Play. And we say, produce a video, interview students at your school or on your team or whatever. Why do they play esports? Why do they care about it? And then produce a video. Video production is one of the key marketing areas right now. If you have video production skills and a portfolio that goes along with it, you are a hireable, I mean, forget right out of college. You're hireable in the middle of high school. I had actually, yeah. here's a funny story. Uh, uh, Regina Schaefer is one of our leaders in New Jersey of an, of an affiliate there. 
And she was saying when she was starting to set up their IT for their club and get things going, she asked one of her students if he could help her, middle school student. And he gave her his business card and said, Mr. Gina, I usually charge for this, but I really want this at our school, so I'll do it for free. Here's a middle schooler who, because of esports, has developed enough IT skills that he's literally, he has his own consulting business doing (laughs) IT. And that's what we're trying to to help cultivate is if you have an interest in something and you're good at it, go for it. We all get up and love our jobs, right? How fortunate are we? And why shouldn't we, if we have kids, why shouldn't we encourage them to do the same thing? If there's something that you love, pursue that. Work in it. Be the best at it. Yes, with limits when you're in school. We do not want you sitting on your computer for 24, 22 hours a day. Or reading a book for that month. Or reading a book or playing football or filling the blank here. You know, balance is important for everything. But but definitely if that's your area of interest, go for it. And so that's, you know, we're trying to have these challenges that help students practice these skills. Um, One of them that's coming up this fall is going to be an entrepreneurship challenge where they'll get to play a game where they learn different aspects of entrepreneurship and they have to decide, am I going to pay my staff more or am I going to do more marketing or, you know, how do I, how do I allocate the venture capital funds that I've been given and all of that. So yeah, just really fun, really fun stuff. That's awesome. I see your wheels turning. I'm curious what's going on. (laughs) Claire is reminding me of how important it is to do real real world projects as a kid. I remember, I mean, I did all sorts of things just because I was very, I had a ton of energy. So I was always coordinating activities in our neighborhood that would promote community. So I remember- That's familiar, Megan. I think you're- (laughs) you found your life calling for sure (laughs) yeah well I remember when I announced a community carnival um before I figured out the logistics Mm -hmm. and I just couldn't get it off the ground I mean I must have been like Johnny's age like nine or something Mm -hmm. and you know I had the group together I had the date it was like this Saturday and when I did the carnival on the day. So it was just a lot that I missed and it was a bomb, right? So that was it. I was done planning um, carnivals, but I learned through that. And I thought things out much more that I I was coordinating. And um, when you think about that as a, we have to get out there and that's how we learn is by trying. I wasn't devastated. Um, you know, and some of the things went over well, but most didn't. I needed an adult in the room, you know, helping me get the vision. I would have gone to your carnival. You would have, and it wasn't bad. It just wasn't great. Um, It wasn't what you pictured. Yes. (laughs) Um, Well, a couple of things that's so cool about the esports space, you know, with kids coming up, uh, number one, it's, it's incredibly entrepreneurial by nature. Yes. You know, you have this situation where, you know, people just start teams, you know, and I know a few of those people who have started teams and, you know, typically like you get the group together and you figure out all the logistics, like how do you get to the tournament and, you know, you, you guys compete. And then typically uh, when a team is successful, the most popular player will split off 
and he'll start his own thing. You know, you see that with Optic Gaming and 100 Thieves with Nadeshot coming up through it, spinning off. And I have no doubt probably one of the top 100 Thieves guys will split off and, you know, start his own org and it'll go like that. The other thing is um, you become so digitally native by nature because you're you're doing all of these things. Like if you're, if you, you know, any, I, I should say most gamers are going to be streaming, right? And so you're going to learn how, how do I uh, record myself? Okay, how do I edit this? Mm-hmm. How do I maybe add some graphics? How do I upload it? You know, how am I? And then you're figuring it, you're finding out, okay, what works here? You know, oh, this video did better than this because it was this long and it was this style and xyz and it's just all these things that are just the natural path of what you enjoy to do mm-hmm. and then these kids grow up and they're like wow i'm really good at editing videos and understand all of this stuff because i did it for fun as a kid and it sounds like nasif is really embracing those things and then fostering to things even just beyond um video production yeah. I mean, one of the things that we do is, is we encourage schools, start a club, don't start a team. Hmm. What we don't want to see is a competitive team with five players and two alternates. And that's it. A lot of NASF clubs have more than a hundred members. <laughs> and um, it's because maybe they're fielding a couple of different competitive teams, but they're also doing exactly what you just said. And they're doing things like, like Megan's carnival, you know, they're setting up a weekend tournament. They're figuring out how do we sell pizza as a fundraiser? Where are we going to order it? Okay. What time are we going to pick it up? How are we going to keep and, it hot? And they are doing are it. Gonna... The, so the they, hard way. They selling are tickets, doing it. Creating them. It's so fun. Exactly. But they're doing all of that hands-on practical learning of all these different areas they're doing the setup of the hardware they're contacting the local car dealership to see if they'll sponsor them for 250 dollars or you know all making jerseys shirts i mean it just goes on and on everything and that's what was missing in my in my situation was Mm -hmm. shoulders there were no shoulders to help me get this carnival idea off the ground. Mm. Or it would have been a hit. <laughs> it's not too late. Don't do it. Not too late. <laughs> but that, you know, that that's so cool. Um, because we're we're teaching leaders, and that's what it's all about. Right. Exactly. Um, Claire, I'm curious, what is the response that you've seen from parents from yeah, the beginning of NASIF to where we are today? Great question. It's so different today. Mm-hmm. Parents and school administrators. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll tell you, the reason I was brought to NASEF at the beginning, I have a background in communications in STEM education, STEM being science, technology, engineering, and math. And when NASEF was started, they said, we know this will be successful and We know we will have communications challenges with parents and administrators help us Mm. figure that out. And I mean, it was really an uphill battle those first couple of years, but some phenomenal things have happened. One is we were fortunate at NASEF that we started off with um, funding to have research to iterate really well. So we had University of California, Irvine from day one, looking at 
how the clubs were established. It was actually a team at UC Irvine that came up with a graphic that's in my background because mm -hmm. they looked at what is the central point and then what is everything else? How are we going to sort of circle the wagons around mm -hmm. this idea and give specific pathways to pursue? And they looked mm -hmm. at things like um, when a kid is in a NASAF club, what kinds of things are they interested in? And we have four years of IRB approved research. You can get it on our website, but showing things like kids in these clubs are um, demonstrating increased STEM career interest, increased school affiliation, which means they feel more connected to school. They show up to school. How mm -hmm. do you learn at school? By being there. Right. right. So if we can if we can offer a program that attracts kids to come to school and they're there more often, then they're going to learn more. And the parents have seen now that this isn't just sort of some little thing that kids are doing off on the side, but it's an important part of the school that it has structure. If it's an after school club that, you know, there are coaches or adult advisors that are there, the shoulders to stand on that you're describing, Megan, right? Mm -hmm. All of these things are part of it. And so the, I think a lot of parents now are seeing where they were hesitant because they didn't want their kid alone. There's sort of this you know, stereotypes, sitting alone in a dark basement, eating hot Cheetos and drinking Red Bull and playing video games all night. That's not what happens here. Instead, what we're saying is let's be in a productive, super fun, very important that it stays fun. And we don't only focus on productivity and careers and all of that, right? We are talking about kids. So super fun, but still with a framework, with some potential, with some pathways outlined. And so the parents have really come along. The administrators are seeing the same things. And now we're also getting data back. Um, we had a school in Moreno Valley, California last year, tracked attendance and tied that to the number of students in their program. And they found, um, you know, schools get a certain amount of money per day for students being in the classroom. That district generated almost a million dollars additional ADA, the daily attendance dollars, Wow. from the students that were in the esports program because they showed up at school an average of almost seven days more per year than kids who are not in the esports program. And, you know, I mean, yes. when you're an administrator, you care about two things. You definitely, you care about the students. You want to see them develop. You want to see them improve. Yeah. You're also managing massive budgets. And if you can come up with a million dollars additional from having a program that is free to run, well, you know, I mean, pay the teacher a stipend, you're, you're recapturing a million dollars, but there's no, you know, maintenance cost or anything. I mean, it's, it's really been phenomenal. And so it's just, it's fun for me because I've been there since the days when it was definitely an uphill grind convincing. Mm -hmm. And now it's more like jump on the bandwagon. There's a reason it's a bandwagon. So that is super fun. I, love I feel like I should mention classes because we haven't talked about curriculum at all. We've talked all okay. about after school. Um, working in concert with UC Irvine and also Orange County Department of Ed, NASAP developed several different um, series of curricula that can be adopted. One is a four-year English language arts program. Imagine being a freshman in high school and getting to go to English 9 and game design. And you're learning concepts like, yeah. you know, plot development, character development, all of that. 
I would take that through, now. <laughs> through esports and through traditional novels and all of that. So the curriculum writers did this fantastic job of just weaving it all together. Again, interest-driven learning. Um, we've outlined CTE, which is career and technical education pathways for, um, which are classes that are offered in schools all around the country. So you could take a CTE course that connects exactly all the things we've talked about, all these different career opportunities, and you could have that as a class in school. And then we have a fellowship program where um, educators participate in this fantastic community of practice, this learning community, like the leadership community that you are starting out that I'm so excited about at the Esports Trade Association. We have something similar on the scholastic side. And mm -hmm. through the year, at the end of the year, as a capstone project, they develop curriculum, whatever their area of expertise is. So we have curriculum in art and design and uh, a, an online chess club and how do you set up a discord for your students and you know history based and game I mean all these different areas because it's in whatever that teacher's area of expertise is and that's called our community library everything I just mentioned is free you just sign up for NASAF and access it free all the lesson plans intro videos from the educators I mean, we seriously really mean it when we say we just want to get this in the hands of educators and have them use it and to see the kids benefit. It, I am such a sap and it makes my heart <laughs> so happy when I go into a school and I meet these kids who did not have a place where they belonged before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you put an esports club on their campus and now all of a sudden they're announced on the announcements just like the baseball team or the football team yeah and they get recognition and their lives change because people acknowledge that what's important to them is actually important it's the coolest thing ever that is so cool yeah i think I, there's a huge difference between you know being left out and looked down upon to being included and validated, right? I remember a few years ago, there was some stat. It was that when when um, high schools were starting esports teams, that 87% of the kids who joined the esports team had never been part of any organized sport. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's obviously we want to support children in every way. And it's fantastic with traditional sports and all of these things that we grew up with. But it's it's one thing to you know support those who are already kind of in the club but like what i love about a lot of this is you're pulling kids up who aren't connected in the way that some other kids are and the fact that gaming is becoming so mainstream and i you know gamers are the cool kids and the cool kids game you know it's like the the quarterback um of the high school team is also a proud gamer in addition to the kid who's not on the football team who's really into gaming right and mm -hmm. it's it's just so so special because there's a lot of things that are just kind of nice to have but when you're act actually positively impacting a life you know mm -hmm. you're you're helping someone develop friendships for you know you have a hard day now you have somebody to talk to right or you have someone to share your wins with versus not and then all these other implications um it goes far beyond just the career aspect, which is really heartwarming. Mm -hmm. We did um, the Why We Play challenge that I described to you, the Beyond the Game challenge. 
Mm-hmm. I think one girl said she played for the games, but then she said, I got a scholarship. Can you believe I got a scholarship for gaming? But almost every kid, we did a compilation video of several of these different submissions. Most of them, it was something to the effect of, I found my tribe. I found my people. Wow. One kid said, I used to just be walking around on campus and now I have a place to go where I connect with people. And I could, wow. can't you picture that kid who yeah. knows a ton of people, kind of wanders around, hey, what's up, but doesn't actually have a place that's mm. home base on campus. Yeah. And then yeah. you provide it. It does. It wow. absolutely changes that kid's life forever. That's I'm always cool. on my soapbox about it. I mean, I just... I the the transformation that we see is phenomenal. It's so much bigger than than what a lot of people picture. I think. Um, question for you: How can school because schools are your is that how you get in? Is it through a um like an ISD or is it directly through individual schools? I'm wondering how our listeners who don't yet have NASIP aren't involved with NASIP. How can they get involved effectively? Sure. Um, boy, it, it varies from, from location to location. Sometimes it is a school district that mm-hmm. says, we are going to do this. Here's our way. And then they promote NASIF throughout. Sometimes it's one random teacher who says, I love to game. I know mm-hmm. my students do too. I'm going to start a club. And then it spreads from the bottom up. We have YMCAs that are members. We have boys and girls clubs that are members. I mean, mm-hmm. it just, it's wide open. So um, nasef.org is our website and you just go there and there's a bright orange button at the top and you join. Um, you can take a look. We have some affiliates, which are in regions where there are a whole bunch of clubs. You could join the affiliate and then you're connected with others in your area and you can collaborate with them. We have a super active Discord community. So if you join NASAF, you'll get invited into our Discord. And I really recommend that for somebody who's just starting out. We have some video-based academy courses, eight steps to starting a club and We offer professional development. If there's a district that's trying to figure out how do we implement district-wide, it's probably going to take a little bit of assistance. And so we do have PD that's available. But I mean, the easiest, the first way to start is just join NASAF. And then you can log into the dashboard and there are some toolkits there. Take a look at those. Um, figure out we we have most of our fall programming is going to be announced, I'd say early to mid-September. So if you check out the mm-hmm. website around then, um, that's a cool. great way to get it. But it's it's totally free to join. So go for it. Um, what are the ages? How young do you go? Yeah, we started in high school and then the middle schoolers were saying, we want to do it. And now the elementary is saying, we want to do it. Yeah. Um, it. It varies. Our Minecraft programs are open for third grade and up. So that's that's roughly like third to 12th. We do have in that community library I mentioned, we do have a few elementary teachers who have created programs for younger students. Mm-hmm. So we offer some assistance there, but most of our general programming is focused on the middle to high school range. That's great. My son just started second grade. So I've got a full year to convince his school to get this going so that he can get involved. He's um, also advanced yeah. though, John. I feel like we could go right to Claire 
and she might help us out. <laughs> there is in some of our, uh, in some of our Minecraft programming, we do have a family category, which yeah. can blend all ages. So you could join with your son. And the way it usually works is the kids are way better at whatever it is than the parents. We've had some kid and grandparent teams, which I love. Like, what okay. a cool way to connect. What a cool grandparent. Right? My son, exactly. My son is better than me at most video games, but I'm way better at skateboarding. So I just really try to hold that over his head, you know. Absolutely. Um, I bet. Um, there's still a few. Like, we'll play Street Fighter and I... Um, I can still hold my own, but we're, boy, we're running around Minecraft and stuff like that. And I'm like trying to catch this kid because he's just yeah. digging up a storm in that That's awesome. game. That's awesome. Um, Megan, something you were going to bring up. There, I think there was a special, something special at our uh, Esports Next event. Oh, yeah. Wasn't... Okay. So um, we wanted to officially wish you an amazing birthday. Uh, you're the best. Claire is an esports <laughs> next baby. We call it the world's largest birthday party. So for all of you that are listening, just know that Claire was at esports next during her birthday. And oh, we just sweetest. wanted to make it extra special for you. And John has offered to sing. <laughs> not, not offered to sing. And I had a feeling that was coming. I was, when you were, I was like thinking, I was like, is Megan going to try to get us to sing? And, oh my gosh. Um, Claire, I will sing oh. for you offline so that we don't okay. get the ears. That's a good call. Yeah. That that's is good call. I respect that. Me too. Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet, Megan. I appreciate that. It was well, a great group of people to be with. What, here's, here's the final question for you as we're coming up on time. Um, at was is it Georgianos? Is that the name of the Giordanos? Very Giordanos. Close guy. Not it's bad for a Texan accent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, what was your favorite pizza? We had six pizzas. Six. Deep oh my gosh! Pizzas. I, I think it was called meat. I think it was Giordano? called meat, meat, and more meat. It was yeah. so good. Oh my gosh! Oh, you you like meat labs. It was yep. slabs of sausage. It was not crumbled sausage. It was slabs mm. of sausage yeah. in there with the pepperoni and everything else. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Who coordinated yes. that field trip? I saw that and I was like, how did I miss that? It was pretty spur of the moment. I, I think Steve Isaacs is a great organizer. And he said, hey, I think we're gonna get pizza later. And I had kind of grabbed a bunch of people and we went for a Chicago architecture riverboat cruise, yes. which was yes. so fun. Yes. And so I said, well, I'm going to bring all these folks that are with me. And then I was like, hey, John, we're going for pizza. And it just, yeah, it just kind of blew up. Oh, it was so awesome. good. It was so 100% good. 100% going everybody. back there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that you guys chose a perfect spot. Did you go to the Giordano's? Um, it's all right. There's a couple. I don't know. I don't know. Chicago. It looked we like right by, there was a Nutella. There's a Nutella store. Yeah. Close by. Does that help yeah. you place it? We, I, I know, walked from the hotel. It was fantastic. It was like seven minutes or something like that. Ooh. Yeah. It was fantastic. Meat, meat, and more meat. I'm telling you. Yeah. Sorry if you're a vegetarian. Good. That's not meat. The meat is good, though. It's good. Yeah. There's about five Giordano's within walking distance. The one uh, that I, yeah, there's one right at the Navy Pier, even. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, All it's right. just so good. I think Giordano's you can order online and get them frozen even. Yeah. Hmm. To Los Angeles, perhaps? Hmm. 
have, uh, have either of you guys party. had the Chicago stuffed style pizza before? No, I haven't. It's different. It doesn't seem like pizza to people. You know, it's almost like a lasagna. You know, it's very thick. Have you it. had it, John, before? Wow. I don't think so. It's very Sounds different. Good. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's start a list for next year. I know you have a hard stop here. So um, I think what we're trying to get away from this whole thing is to eat Giordano's pizza. On your birthday. <laughs> eat Giordano's <laughs> pizza yeah. on your birthday and join get ASAP. And yeah, because yeah, it's phenomenal. I'm so proud to be part of that organization. I can't even tell you. Well, we're proud to, proud to have you as a member of the Esports Trade Association. And thank you for joining us today on the Esports Next podcast. Thank you, Claire. Happy thank birthday. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll You're see welcome. you guys.